Hey guys, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that we have our next Q&A coming up this week on October the 15th at 10 a.m. Bit of a different time than usual. Hopefully you can still make it along, but if you can't, make sure to get a question in on the Facebook page and then you can catch it live on the Facebook page or on the podcast. Hope to see you then and enjoy the show. You are listening to the Physio Accelerator podcast with Trish Wisby-Roth. In the years of being a physiotherapist, clinical practice has changed so much. In many ways, we have great advantages now with apps, uh, ability to connect with the patient via telehealth, via text messages, um, and you know, a multitude of knowledge that is on the internet that both we as clinicians can access, but also patients can access. And certainly these days when patients come in, they really often have done a lot of research on Dr. Google or on certain websites about what their problem may be before they even get to you. So, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that really didn't happen. The doctor was the pinnacle and what the doctor said uh, went. And as a physiotherapist, you really had to work very hard to, one, build a relationship with, with GPs in particular so they felt that you had um, an opinion that was that was worth listening to, and even the first hurdle was that they would actually talk to you. I think uh, these days physios really have grown in, um, I think, notoriety and in within the community that. The community has confidence that as first contact practitioners, physiotherapists do know what they're talking about generally, unless uh, the, the patient has a poor experience and then that can be um, a hard hurdle for another physio to get over. It, but um, with, with that increase in a way of confidence of the patient. And since COVID times, we have seen a huge increase in the number of patients that are self-referred rather than going to GPs. I think that's probably because people don't want to be in a general practice where there may be other sick people or um, people are taking their health into their own hands and trying to be informed. And so as a physiotherapist in private practice, I think it's incredibly important to provide a level of care that in as many ways as possible ticks that kind of biopsychosocial um, map that is individual to each patient. But 
everyone has more than one thing going on. You know, there's, I don't think there's ever a patient that you don't talk to that comes in, you do a few mobs on one level, they go out and they're, they're perfectly fine. You know, so everyone has various parts to their Rubik's Cube that you need to work on. And as I've said before, everyone is a, a brain and a body. And in this era of technology, People have so much um, knowledge in their face all the time from, from Google, from advertising, that physiotherapy, if, if we want to break through and help people optimise their health and change their habitual health habits, their, their exercising habits, their rehab strategies... It's not enough to just, you know, scribble a, a couple of line drawings on a piece of paper and, and you know, say, see you later and expect that they can be totally in control of their, their own rehab strategy. It, it no longer cuts the grade. And so using apps and using knowledge that is out there is so critically important. It is a double-edged sword because there are so many apps and there is so much knowledge out there that it can become overwhelming. And, you know, in your initial assessment, there's quite a lot to do. So don't feel you have to introduce apps or introduce lots of things all at the same time because if you find that overwhelming you can be absolutely sure the patient will find it overwhelming so it has to be something that can work for you but having come from from an era where there was I know it sounds terrible it shows how old I was but I am but there were no apps there was um, no Dr. Google, and in actual fact, there was no internet. Isn't that crazy? Um, but what I found, if you can harness a few and learn how to use them well, it really makes that biopsychosocial approach all the more achievable and, and more colourful and more interactive and more exciting. And the patient can go out and think, wow, this is really the new age of, of physio and rehab. Now, you may already have your favourite apps and I'm just, I'm going to leave going through questionnaires and objective measurements and things like that till the next next podcast because I do think that takes its own time. But there are um, several apps that I fall back on all the time. The first one for me is PhysiTrack. Now, you don't have to use PhysiTrack. It's, I'm not saying it is the only one. I know there's, there's several out there that are all quite good. Um, the... 
PhysiTrack now has about 7,000 exercises on it. So it can be really overwhelming to navigate when you're wanting to find, you know, a hip flexor stretch or or a, an isometric for um, tibialis anterior tendinopathy, for example. It often can be really hard to navigate that and trying to find the exercises amongst 7,000 exercises when you're sitting with the patient can be a really daunting task. So there's to make it user-friendly, something like an exercise app, there's three ways you can go. With Bounce Back, we were uh, asked before PhysiTrack launched to um, create the first musculoskeletal exercises for them. So I wrote the scripts and they were filmed at the BBC in London and I actually flew over there to meet with... Um, the people who were filming it, but also uh, James, who was editing it. So we have 300 of our progress functional exercises on, on PhysiTrack. And what we have also done with uh, those bounce back progressed exercises, and there's two streams, there's beginners, intermediate and advanced for the lower body, lumbopelvic hip, and then there's an upper body stream, which is cervical, thoracic, shoulder, scapula. So what we have done in Bounce Back is create templates that give you a, a suggested um, exercise program for eight weeks, beginners, intermediate and advanced for the upper or the lower body. And, and the nice thing about that is you can just download the template and then individualize it. You know, put in the reps you want, take out the couple of the exercises you don't want. If there's a particular stretch you want or, you know, a neural mobility, you can pop that in. So, and we'll talk about it next week, but you can also put in validated questionnaires and educational um, information that they've got. They've got PDFs and also um, videos of different information. But spending the time to make some key templates. At Take Control, we have also created some, some exercise templates like stage one, stage two, stage three, um, OA, hip and knee, um, rehab templates and so you can pull those down or we have ones for um I created one actually it was for Lydia Lucilla but we've now used it quite a few times it's a PhysiTrack uh template for abdominal diastases and I just did a telehealth with her two times and in between changed her program and she chatted to me as needed via the texting on the app and I could text back. She found some a, a bit confusing. I could put some individual cues and that's another thing. When you do have a template and you bring it down and you put in the individual cues that the person likes, you know, you um, put in the reps, 
all those things really make it personal for them. And when you go through the exercise and I often say to them, okay, I can use this cue or this cue. Which one of those worked for you? Oh, I really like this. Okay, I'll put that down. Is there anything else you'd like me to put down? And they'll often say, yeah, tell, you know, put down the reminder, put your weight through your heels or your knee over your second toe, any, any kind of cues. But creating those individualized comments for them really gets buy-in and the thing that I I really enjoy seeing with patients is you know I'll say something to them that we're setting up this program you'll get an email all you have to do is download the free app put in this unique code and your date of birth and Every exercise that we do as we progress your function, it will all be there. So when you go home, your upgraded program is there and we're on the road with you to as far as you want to get with your health. It really makes a positive, positive feeling for them that that they've got a life coach, they've got a mentor and that often, I think, can be one of our downfalls as physiotherapists. You know, you think, okay, I'm going to treat this muscle, I'm going to treat this joint, I give a couple of exercises and they're out the door. But you've only treated a small part of the person. And I was watching, um, I was reading some, some early research about looking at compliance with exercise programs with physios it hasn't been I don't think it's been published yet and then research looking at compliance with exercise programs with life coaches and the life coaches had a much better compliance than the physiotherapy and I think that's because they talk about the goals, they get the motivation, they get the buying in, they listen and they have a dialogue with the patient. Now, physios are getting much better at that, but I think that's what life coaches are about, about looking at, at all the aspects. And I think as a physiotherapist, if you go for a biopsychosocial approach, that can really combine the very best of physiotherapy and the very best of of the behavioural model of psychosocial and and life coaching without it having to take that much energy. Um, a another app that I really like using, particularly when I'm exp- trying to um, investigate with the patient and explore the idea of um, peripheral or central sensitization and how that can occur over time and how it can be in persistent pain, very often um, concurrent with other musculoskeletal issues that are going on. And so you get peripheral um, pain drivers that are that are sending signals up to the central nervous system and then alteration in the central nervous system that is confusing signals and and uh, changing pain perception in the periphery 
and being able to use certain apps or certain websites can be really worthwhile. The Recognise app, which is being designed by the NOI group, uh, looks at laterality and what they've shown in is with central sensitisation, people lose the ability to recognise left or right and by testing themselves and if they fall below the norm using the app and it's very area dependent so there's a a recognized spine there's a recognized lower limb recognized neck and so they can just use the app and the really nice thing about about apps is they can give you a visual record so you get a graph of how you're going and how you performed and you can upload your own pictures if you want. And I didn't say that about PhysiTrack, but with both PhysiTrack and with Recognize, you can upload, you can take pictures of the patient themselves and upload those pictures onto their PhysiTrack program or onto their Recognize program. And again, just having a picture of themselves doing the exercise or they're recognising a picture of themselves, it's those mirror neurons that get fired in the brain and it can be really powerful to have the image of themselves doing, doing the exercise. And it's interesting, also I was reading, um, reading some research that said that if, if you are demonstrating an exercise, it actually, with mirror neurons, it really helps for the patient to actually see you do the exercise or visually look at a video of the exercise being done before you ask them to do the exercise because a degree of learning has already been happening because the sight, hearing, all of all of that interaction influences those primary neurotags of both pain and motor control. So they are two two apps that I really like. If we talk about persistent pain, there are some great YouTube clips, there's five minute clips of explain pain. And I think don't have a hundred different ones. Pick a couple and then see which work best for people and, and then you can change and and work out for your group which things work best. Now Melbourne Uni have put together a more comprehensive um pain course that you can do modules over time and so if people are really really interested and you feel that that's what they really need there are courses there and I would send you to um, Melbourne Uni to look at their their online pain course but also NOI have online courses that you you know that people can be involved with. And then the other thing is that they have often 
online communities where, and you might as well direct them to online communities that you feel uh, represent the current research well, instead of them going off to some, you know, I don't know, random left-sided group um, that really is away from the scientific type of type of biopsychosocial model that you're you're trying to um, work towards. Now, with particularly sporting injuries, uh, you don't use it with everybody, but some of the anatomy apps, if they've got a sporting injury or they have a particular tendinopathy or, you know, stress reactions so that you can they can understand and knowledge if it's provided in a very positive language and a language of construction, constructive, goal-orientated, this is the muscle we're looking at, a tendon attaches this muscle to this bone. You know, the reason you're having issues in this area from all the tests we've done, your functional is that it appears you're having issues with this tendon for this and this reason. When we look at at um, your soccer load over the last month, it's increased dramatically. Research shows that on average, you know, if you increase the load by 80%, you know, over, over 10, 15% per week, you have a high incidence of injury. And so... What we're working at with this, we take, we look at your anatomy, but now we're going to look at the load. And one of the things that we use a lot, and I'm sure there's online ones, we do a paper one, but I'm sure you can get online, is a pacing program and look at load management. And with a lot of the elite athletes, I'm sure if you've worked with any elite of the elite athletes, you will know that they have really quite a comprehensive um, athlete management system that looks at their load management, their fatigue levels. Um, and, you know, just if you're interested in load management research, if you Google any of the research coming out of the AIS un. Uh, and the great work done by Mick Drew and his associates, there's lots of great information about load management. But certainly load management is an important thing. And, and feeding into load management, depending on the type of athletes, with cyclists, um, their Strava data, so apps with Strava, and these days a lot are doing there with COVID and isolation. A lot of them are doing um, things on Swift, so you can get them to download their Swift data so you can see what's happening there. Many, many people these days have uh, smartwatches or Fitbits, so working out a pacing program of how 
how many steps you would like them to do and the topography. So you may first build up the steps on a flat topography and then drop the steps down a little bit, but add in hills or add in stairs or add in rough ground. Um, linking in to their Fitbit is you know, and the knowledge that they already have. And those apps can be really powerful because they're linked to their phone and their phone is with them all the time. And even having a Fitbit myself, I find when it it broke and I wasn't really monitoring my heart rate and my sleeping and my steps, really it falls away from your consciousness and when it came, I got it back after about six months and I realised, wow, you know, my my sleep quality had dropped down, my heart rate was up a bit, I was working too late, I wasn't getting the number of steps that I had been and it it has helped me modulate that. And really, if we're looking at a biopsychosocial approach, using someone's smart watch or a Fitbit or even an app on their phone can make a huge difference. Sleep quality really helps with pain and it helps with rehab. So lots of people have the ability to now for a period of time just analyse their sleeping and get the, you know, decreasing how much, um, you know, how late they work or looking at, at if they're an athlete, when, when they train and how that influences their sleep or the amount of training they do influencing their pain levels at the same time every day. So really you don't have to use all of those, but Choosing for yourself which ones fit with your patient. We do use PhysiTrack for most of our patients. We don't always use the app. Some people like to have a printed out piece of paper, but we have have it set up. And for um, uh, compensable bodies, it's nice in that you can have a printout of compliance and that you can also show that you've progressed your exercise programs and you can have validated questionnaires that can be repeated at whatever time you want. And finally, just as a last point, sometimes if there's things that I am not an expert on, but there's some really good website things. There's a lot of great dietary information. So if you have someone who has really inflammatory issues and systemic things, things like dietary information, uh, anti-inflammatory diets, there's a lot of really worthwhile on the CSIRO website or on the National Dietitians website, there's lots of great information about those things. And really with pain it and, and injury, it can be a multi-systems that influence it. It 
you know, I've had patients who have Hashimoto's disease who are also an elite athlete that have um, low bone density because they have the female triad because they're an endurance athlete, um, low iron levels. You know, all these things can feed into it. And you can't be the saviour and have the answers for all of these things, but you can help direct them with apps, with websites, um, by... by um, manufacturing a road for them to find the right knowledge because they will search for knowledge. So you might as well curate the knowledge of where they are going so they get the best quality. And if they go on that search, it's much more likely they're going to buy in to their rehab program and that multifaceted approach of the biopsychosocial and also for them to realise, because it hasn't just come from you, you've heard, they've read it in several places, that that changing patterns, you know, building function takes time and sensitisation may take, take quite a bit of time after building function. Those type of things, they... They need to be a revelation that the person comes to. And if they hear it from a variety of sources, that makes a huge difference. So I would say in our clinical practice, we would use at least one app or one website or one resource per patient, sometimes more over the time. And our next session, I'll talk to some about some of the other um, objective measures and visual records that we use but i think that's plenty for this podcast and i wish you um, a great week ahead bye thank you for listening to the physio accelerator podcast if you'd like to find out more about what we do head to the physioaccelerator.com while you're there don't forget to sign up for our email list for more great insights from trish and information about our upcoming courses Before you go, if you think of a friend or a colleague who would benefit from listening to this podcast, make sure you send it their way. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.